Okay, today is the last one of our series of Whatever You Do, Shine Brightly. It's been a brilliant series, hasn't it? Very, very good. Okay, so today is the last one, and we're looking at the topic of sharing our faith. Now, I guess if I ask you um, what the last verse of Matthew is and the Great Commission, if you've been a Christian for sort of any length of time, you will have heard of that, go out into all the world and make disciples. But if I um, asked you to put your hands up and say whether you felt confident or equipped, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to, uh, but if you felt confident in doing that, I'm presuming the number of hands would be slightly less. And um, <clears throat> we all know that we should be sharing our faith. And for some people, they have a real gift at that. And they seem to be able to do that really naturally. And uh, have always got stories to tell. But if you're like me, then it's something that isn't um, necessarily comes easy. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. And for me, the more time that I've spent preparing uh, a talk like this, then the more I feel unqualified to deliver it. And, uh, and I did think when uh, James put the rotor out and I saw my name against this one, I did think, well, maybe he's got it wrong. Maybe he should have asked Tony to do this because, after all, Tony is the evangelist. He's got loads more stories to tell than me. And, uh, and then I thought, well, maybe that's why James didn't ask Tony. Because sharing your faith isn't about a particular gift you've got. And sharing your faith isn't about a personality type, whether you're an extrovert and love talking to strangers and, uh, and able to strike up a conversation quite easily. Sharing your faith is something that God has called each one of us to do, regardless of how old we are or how long we've been a Christian or how easy we find it to talk to people or how many non-Christian friends we've got or even how deep or we think our theological or our Bible knowledge is. And they're all kind of reasons that we can put across sometimes for not sharing our faith. And it's part of this series, whatever you do, because sharing your faith is not about a specific event or a mission or something that happens when we have a, a special speaker or anything like that. Sharing our faith should be part of our everyday lives for each one of us. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And hopefully by the end of it, we're, we'll all feel a little bit more confident in doing it. That's the aim anyway. So <clears throat> many of you all know that Tony and I, we moved to Eltham a couple of months ago. It's why perhaps you haven't seen so much of us. And uh, we did that because we felt challenged by God to go and uh, go and be part of the venue there, but also to go and be part of the community in Altham and do our bit in reaching out. And uh, in many ways, the actual moving house was the easy bit. Now we're there and we need to find ways of engaging with people in the community. And I would love to stand here and tell you that I have had so many conversations in Lidl telling people about Jesus. And I've led loads of my neighbors to Christ. And I prayed for someone on the high street. And it was amazing because they got healed. And I would love to tell you all those stories. But I'm not going to because I haven't. And those things haven't happened. And maybe, maybe they will. And maybe in a few months' time, then I'll be able to tell you those stories. But that's not the situation that I'm in at the moment. 
So what I have to do is I have to focus on what God wants me to do. God's called me to a particular place and I've got to work out with God how I play my part in reaching Eltham tomorrow morning. How do I play my part in reaching out to my colleagues? And what does God want me to do to help the lost? So we're going to look at some verses from the Bible. We're going to look at Colossians 4. If you've got your Bible, then that would be great to turn to that. Uh, If not, hopefully the verses are going to come up on the screen behind me. We're going to read Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. And it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God may open for, uh, for us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison in Rome. And uh, you may be looking at your situation and thinking that it's not ideal for sharing your faith. But then again, neither was Paul's. Consider someone in prison with their freedom taken away. And it makes this whole series, whatever you do, even more poignant. None of us have the excuses. In whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can choose to live lives that glorify God. This is the end of the letter, and if you've got your Bible, you'll notice there's a little title there saying further instructions. And Paul is encouraging his readers first to pray for opportunities for the gospel to be heard, and then he's encouraging them in their everyday lives to live in such a way to promote and make known the gospel by how they live and what they say. So how do we share our faith? Well, the first thing we need to do is to pray. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Or if you've got an NIV Bible, it says, devote yourselves to prayer. We need to pray and we need to keep on praying. Jesus told us to pray. You know, it's the most obvious thing to do, but yet we find it so difficult. And in John 14, he said, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. In fact, if you read the book of John, six times after the Last Supper, you know, in Jesus' final few hours with his disciples before his crucifixion, six times he tells them to pray and to ask. Well, he tells them to ask. That's what he tells them to do. He says, ask, and he will give it to them. Jesus wants us to come and pray. He wants us to come and ask him to do these things. God is in the business of transforming lives. He's in the business of saving people. This is the reason that Jesus came to earth, why he died and why he rose again. It's God who convicts people. It's God who saves people. It is not us. This should give us a lot of hope and encouragement. You know, it's not all down to us. And we have our part to play, but it's God who saves So when we pray, we should be confident that he will hear and he will answer our prayers. 
Paul was in prison, but that didn't stop him. He asked the church to pray that um, God might open for us a door for the word to declare the mysteries of Christ. We have a responsibility to pray for open doors in our lives, but also for others too. And, uh, you know, we've prayed for Welling already. That's going to be launching next week. We need to pray that God is going to open doors for the gospel in Welling as this venue gets launched. Every Wednesday here, we have loads of non-Christian moms and carers who come to our oasis, our toddler group. We need to pray for a door to be open that conversations can happen in a really natural and effective way to talk about the gospel. We have uh, people coming here each week to the food bank, coming to get food. We all need to keep praying for doors to open to share Jesus with them. These are just a few examples. There's so many things going on in the life of our church. Alpha starts in two weeks' time. Even if you're thinking, you know what, I, I haven't really got anyone that I can invite to Alpha this time round. As a church, we need to be praying for doors to open for other people that they can have that opportunity to ask people to come. Just because we're kind of saying, well, I'm not involved in that, doesn't mean that we don't together pray and ask for those doors of opportunity to open. We need to have confidence in the power of the gospel because the gospel changes lives. And I know for me, when I'm not really praying for people to get saved, for people to become Christians, it's because I've forgotten the power of the gospel. I kind of know it in my head, but it's not shaping my thinking. And if it's not shaping my thinking, it's not really shaping my praying anyway. And so that's when I know I need to come back to the Word of God and just remind myself again and again of how powerful the gospel is. And one of the things that helps me is to look at these verses in Acts that are going to come up on the screen behind me. In Acts 2, it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow, imagine that. Imagine if 3,000 people became Christians next week. Where are we going to put them all? be fantastic wouldn't it It'd be the most the best problem to have in acts 4 it says but many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5000 you know nearly 2000 more were added and then in acts 5 and more than ever believers were added to the lord multitudes of both men and women acts 6 now in those days when the disciples were increasing in number and then in verse 7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many priests became obedient to the faith. And then in Acts 9, So the church throughout all Judea and, and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And in Acts 12, but the word of God increased and multiplied. And then Acts 16, so the churches were being strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers daily. 
sometimes I think when we read through the chapters, we kind of miss out these little bits that the church was multiplying. It wasn't ones and twos that were happening, but it was like a, a regular thing. It was daily. People were getting added and it was increasing. And as the word was being preached, lives were getting changed. And as lives got changed, more and more people saw the impact of the lives getting changed. And then they wanted to know. And then the word got preached and more and more people's lives got changed. And it was just going on and on and on like this. And I think sometimes we miss this. And when I read those verses, I'm kind of thinking, that's what it should be like. You know, the power of God, when he comes and, and he changes lives, it has such a dramatic impact that it just snowballs and other people. And, and we've seen it at different times, haven't we, when people become Christians and then their friends see it and then they bring their friends to church and, and it goes on. And, and, and then that gives me hope of like saying, yes, this is what I want to see. I've seen, I've seen God do an amazing thing in my life. I've seen God do an amazing thing in someone else's life. God, let this just multiply and keep on going. And that's what the early church saw because there's power. And when people see it, when people see the gospel lived out in our lives, when people see that the gospel changes us, they take notice. And I want you to think back to the baptism a few weeks ago. I want, to think, I want you to think back to the stories. But I also want you to think back to your own salvation. What has God done for you? God has done so much for us. And sometimes we just need to rehearse these things over and over again. And it's just fantastic in worship when we get a chance to do that. God's forgiven us. God's given us a new future, a new hope. He's given us a righteousness that doesn't belong to us. I'm so grateful that, that God does not treat me the way I deserve. I am just really grateful for God's mercy and his grace because because I'd be an absolute mess without it. And, and, and God knows I'm a mess, but he's just really gracious to me. And so sometimes we need to just kind of remind ourselves of what God has done for us and how God is changing us and how God will continue to change us. And we need to keep on sharing stories with one another, which is why it is so brilliant when we have baptisms, when we have testimonies, but also when we get together in communities and we tell one another the stories because it reminds us that there's power in the gospel and it builds our faith up. And when our faith is built up, we keep on praying. And, and it's just grasping that when we truly believe that the gospel is the answer, we actually want opportunities to share it. But sometimes we just forget. So we just have to keep on reminding ourselves and we need to remember that people are lost without Jesus. You know, sometimes I fall into this trap of thinking that, you know, sometimes it's not just a message that makes people's lives better. Yes, it does. Because God can set people free from all sorts of things and give them a hope and a future and a peace that they didn't know. But we need to avoid falling into the trap of believing that somebody wouldn't be interested in knowing about Jesus. Because this gospel will save them for eternity. John 3 verse 36, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This verse makes it really clear. Those that don't know Jesus are separated from God. 
the gospel isn't just about making people's lives uh, better here and now, but it's about eternity. And when we remember this, it makes us want to cry out and say, God, would you come? You know, all those things we were singing about in worship, God, would you send your revival? We want to see you come again. And we read in the Gospels, when you read about Jesus, he had compassion over and over again. He had compassion upon people. And we need to have compassion for the lost. And it's the compassion, when we feel that compassion, that's what motivates us to pray. And uh, it's already been said that this week is our week of prayer. We're going to be meeting here on Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night. We're going to be meeting at 8 o'clock and we would love you to be there. If you don't know how to pray, if you're one of these people that thinks, you know what, I'm no good in a crowd, I'd hate praying out loud, it doesn't matter. You can come and you can just add your amen to somebody else's prayer. You can just stand next to someone else and listen to them and learn how they're going to pray. But let's pray together and let's ask God for open doors for the gospel and then the boldness to speak clearly when those opportunities come up. Whatever you do, whatever your situation is, whatever is going on, we can all pray. And then we need to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. And we're talking about people who don't know Jesus. The aim of being wise is to lead people to Christ. We all need to live in such a way that we don't bring reproach on the faith. You know, there's nothing worse than a hypocritical Christian. You know, it's, it's all do this, do that. But, you know, people go, yeah, but what about you? <laughs> I don't see it in your life. Um, we need to live in such a way that our lives lived God's way are appealing to others. Verse 5, it says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious. That's not easy. Season with salt so that you may now know how you ought to answer each person. Colossians 3 verse 17, it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, that is a verse that you are going to have heard quite a few times over the last few weeks. Whatever you do, whether you're speaking, whether you're doing something, you do it all in the name of Jesus, giving, giving thanks to God. You know, whatever you do, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're out with friends, whether you're shopping, whether you're eating out in a restaurant or a cafe, whether you're on a night out, whether you're with relatives, whether you're doing the chores, whether you're studying, whatever you do, live for God and his glory and you will stand out because you will shine and others will see. And that is the thing. And one of the things that struck me, you know, as we've had interviews over the weeks, um, people have often said that um, in their situation, it's not always easy to have these open conversations about the gospel in their workplaces for various different reasons. But the thing that's kind of come out that that I've picked up anyway is that um, when they're one-to-one with a colleague or a friend, that's when people open up. Because they've seen something different in their lives. They've seen how they treat people. They've seen their integrity. 
or their compassion. And it's these things that on a one-to-one basis cause people to open up and start asking questions. And that's when the opportunity comes along more often than not to share the gospel. Phil Moore, one of the leaders of uh, one of the New Ground Churches, I'm sure a lot of people, you know him, he says, you need to be the God person that people turn to. People in your uh, circle of influence, whether that's your family or your neighbours or your friends or your colleagues, first of all, they need to know that you're a Christian and then they need to see it lived out in your life. There comes a point when people start looking for answers. It might be because of events that are happening in the world and things they see on the news. It might be events that are happening in their own personal lives. But there comes a point where everybody starts looking for answers. And when they get to that point, whether it's because they're in despair or need or they're just looking for something that gives meaning to everything, you want to be the one that they turn to. And they're only going to turn to you if they've seen that your faith and your life makes a real difference. And they've seen something genuine. It's not just what you talk about, but it's how you live and what you do. And because whenever people have got these answers, they're going to turn to someone or they're going to turn to something. And so we want to be the ones that they're going to turn to. We also need uh, to be making the best use of time. And at the NIV, it says, make the most of every opportunity. And I don't believe this means that we've got to get the gospel into every conversation. Sometimes some of us feel that pressure that that's what we've got to do. And if you're having a conversation with someone about what they did on Friday night, you haven't got to then find a way of getting in the word sin and repentance. (laughs) Because if you do, it's just going to be weird and people are going to avoid you. So we just don't want to do that. And we need to remember that people are not projects. People need to be loved. And to walk in wisdom, we need to take time to listen to people. Wisdom is about possessing more than knowledge. It expresses knowledge through understanding. It considers somebody's life circumstances And then it applies that knowledge with skill. And another word for this is love. We need to actually love the people around us. Gospel explanations will be different for different people. The gospel doesn't change. There is only one way, and that is Jesus. And he... uh, Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And and as Sabina reminded us in the worship, we don't have to do anything to earn God's love and acceptance. We, We can't do anything to earn God's love and acceptance. It's not about what we do. It is because God has chosen to love us. And he's forgiven our sin. And he's given us the righteousness that doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Jesus But that's what makes us right before God. These are the things in the gospel. And and these things don't change. And and, and no way should we water down the gospel that it's through Jesus and Jesus alone. And we need to repent. And we need to confess him not just as our saviour, but also as our Lord. These things are key. But how we present the gospel 
will be different for different people. And if we're to know how to answer each person, we need wisdom. We need to learn to apply our knowledge of Jesus with skill. And we do that by listening. We need to love. And love takes time. And love takes patience as well. We need to take the time to understand people and their rejections for the gospel. You know, some people, when you say the name Jesus, they don't automatically think, oh, Jesus, son of God, you know, saviour. They just think, well, he was a good man. You say, you know, you say sin, they have no idea what sin is. We have to take time to, to even understand what their understanding is. And in James 1 verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. If you're not sure how to talk to a colleague or a friend, we need to ask God for wisdom and believe that God will make it clear to us. Francis Schaeffer, Schaeffer, is that if I said that right? Schaeffer, Schaeffer, there we are, got it from the front row. He was an influential Christian leader in the 20th century. And uh, when asked how he would spend an hour with a non-Christian, he said, I would listen for 55 minutes. And in the last five minutes, I would have something to say. Don't be too quick to speak. The gospel remains the same, but each person is different. And I don't know how many of you were, were around a few Christmases ago when we had uh, we had the what we call the cardboard testimonies. Anybody remember the cardboard testimonies? People had this literally piece of cardboard, and they wrote on one side of their piece of cardboard what their life was like uh, before they met Jesus. And it was things like I felt rejected. I felt abandoned and alone. I sought significance in my work. I thought I had everything until I was addicted. And then they turned them over. And on the back was what their lives were like when they met with Jesus. And it said, and now I'm accepted by God. Now I know that I'm loved and, and uh, I'm a child of God. My hope is in God and he's given me a new purpose, a new meaning for my life. I'm now set free. And then when we have baptisms, we hear people's stories. Some have been seeking meaning and purpose in religion. Others have been seeking meaning and significance in other things. Some are just lost and without hope. People come from different ways. And the point is, people are looking for answers and meanings in different ways. And we've got the answer. But we need to take the time to hear the questions that people are asking in order to be able to show them the answer. Bill Hybels, he leads a big church in Chicago, and he said, As Christ followers, we're accountable for regularly uh, moving in circles with people far from God, uncovering their stories with compassion and grace, and then naturally and consistently making ourselves available when God opens a door of opportunity. Verse 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Salt enhances flavour. I looked on one website and it said, 
adding salt to food helps certain molecules in those foods more easily release into the air, thus helping the aroma of the food, which is important in our taste and perception. I have absolutely no idea whether that is true or not because I've got a U in my A-level chemistry, so who knows? But food tastes better with salt, doesn't it? And, uh, and, that's, and that's the whole thing, is that um, uh, food tastes better. It transforms things that are bland into things that are tasty. And our speech needs to have the same effect. It's not just what we don't say. Well, I don't swear and I don't use profane language. It's, it's so much more than that. It's about what we do say. The things that we say to others need to be full of grace. That is a hard thing to do because that is, that is what marks people out and seasoned with salt. Our speech needs to be appetizing. It should make people's mouths water. It should leave them wanting to know more about this Jesus. How do we do it? Well, we need to remind ourselves every day why the gospel tastes so good. John Piper said, It's hard to salt your speech with the deliciousness of Jesus when you haven't been enjoying the taste yourself. The best way to prepare yourself to be an advertisement for the satisfying taste of Jesus is to enjoy him yourself. It's not about knowing in-depth theological answers to why there is suffering in the world or why God has allowed certain things to happen. If these are the big questions that people are wrestling with, then, you know, there are plenty of people in this church. Nick would love to have those conversations with people. You can just introduce people to Nick. But our responsibility, (laughs) before we even get to that point, our responsibility is to enjoy God. And when we're enjoying God on a daily basis, and when we're loving him and the goodness of God and what he's doing, and even when things are really tough and really difficult, knowing that God is for us and not against us, knowing that we have his grace and we have eternity with him, when we're focused on those things and we know his grace, then his grace is going to come out in the things that we say. But we're not going to be gracious towards other people unless we're actually enjoying his grace ourselves. You know, James said, didn't he, in the worship, we need to have that preoccupation with Jesus. Not just for ourselves. We need to have that preoccupation with Jesus because there's a lost world that are desperate to know, who is this Jesus? And if we haven't got that, then how are they going to find out about it? We need to remind ourselves every day of the reasons why knowing Jesus is the greatest thing in the world. When we're delighting in him, when we find our hope in him, our confidence in his word, then this spills over into how we act and what we say. When our hearts are happy in him, we will be in the best position to make our speech appetizing and appealing to Jesus. In Acts 1, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. There's a really important order here. We're to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then we are witnesses. It's the Holy Spirit who enables us to be witnesses 
and not just do witnessing. It's the Holy Spirit that changes us from the inside out. And it's the Holy Spirit that bears the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that fills us with love and compassion. He enables us to love people rather than just tolerate that person at work. It's the Holy Spirit who's at work in us, changing us in such a way that we live lives that are different and that are attractive. But it's also the Holy Spirit that empowers us and gives us boldness. Peter, you'll remember he denied Jesus three times when he, in the face of hostile questioning. And yet, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he became bold and fiery witness and he kept on preaching despite the opposition that he had. And we might not be called to preach in the same way that Peter is, but we are called to have the same conviction and the same passion for the gospel that Peter did. And it was his belief in the gospel. It was being empowered by the Holy Spirit, having met with the resurrected Jesus that gave him that boldness that he didn't have before. And when God filled the early church with his Holy Spirit, they conquered the world. We need the Holy Spirit. We know that God wants to fill us. And we know that God wants to use his church to be his witnesses. So what's stopping us? Just need to ask. It's there for the taking. God wants to do it in us. He wants to do it. He wants to fill us. He wants to equip us. Whatever you do, live your life in a way that glorifies God. Jesus is our example. He had one focus. His mind wasn't consumed by business or money or fame. His one focus was people. To be like Christ, we also need to give ourselves to people. And most importantly, give ourselves to pointing people to faith in Christ. To do this, we actually really need to believe that every person we come across would be better off if they knew Jesus. We need to daily remind ourselves of the gospel and the grace of God towards us. And if we don't, we lose our saltiness. But this isn't our mission. It's God's mission. We will be empowered by God. It's not our persuading, but the work of the Holy Spirit that changes hearts and minds. It's God who saves, not us. Being daunted about sharing your faith. Not knowing where to begin or what to say is not a bad place to be. It's what we do about it. Our helplessness is meant to make us rely on God more, to seek him more. We play our part, but we are just partners. Jesus said that he only did what he saw the Father doing. And, you know, that really gives me so much confidence because we need to emulate Jesus. And if Jesus said that he only did what they saw the Father doing, then whatever we're doing, in whatever situation we find ourselves in, we need to ask God where he is at work in other people's lives so that we can do and partner with God in what he's doing. Jesus, he rebuked the disciples in John 4, telling them to open their eyes and look at the fields. And he said, look, they are ripe for harvest. God is working in the lives of people around us. People in the streets near where we live, people who cross our paths on a daily basis, 
people at um, our workplaces or at the school gate. Sometimes God gets us to sow some seed just by who we are and the way we treat them. And maybe we get to, to say something about Jesus. And at other times we get the privilege of reaping the harvest and actually leading someone to Christ. But whether we have eyes to see or not, God is always at work in the lives of people in our communities. Our challenge is to open our eyes and to play our part. We need to pray and just say to God, Lord, you're at work. Would you use me today to point someone towards you? And if you want me to say a word, or if you just want me to demonstrate love and kindness, I'm available to you. Would you guide me by your Holy Spirit? We're going to pray. And uh, I just want to really want to invite you to pray and, uh, and just really to take a moment. And, uh, you know, maybe you're not a Christian here today and you're thinking, well, I don't even know who this Jesus is. And if that's you, we would, we would just love that opportunity to explain the gospel to you. And maybe just as everyone's kind of bows their head and, and uh, just focuses for a minute, maybe, maybe you want to pray in your own heart. And maybe you just want to say, God, I want to know you more. Reveal yourself to me. But maybe you need to, um, maybe your response is to say, God, you know what? I'm going to commit to come into this week of prayer. And I'm going to commit to praying with others that you would open doors for the gospel. Or maybe you just want to ask God to give you more of the Holy Spirit. Because you know that you need more love and compassion. Particularly, maybe for a particular person or just for people in general. Or maybe you just need to ask for boldness to live differently. Or maybe you just need to start enjoying God again and tasting his goodness. I just want to give you a moment to say whatever it is to God in the quietness of your own heart.